Now this morning we're going to continue on in uh, Hebrews 11, if you have your Bible and want to turn there, Hebrews 11, 17 through 31, and it's connected with our leap of faith. Uh, we're still within the six-week faith experiment uh, where we are praying, a little bit of fasting, and we're really asking for three things. Number one, what do we really want Jesus to do for us? What do we really want Jesus to do for our six? Those six would be people in our life that just right now aren't experiencing much of God. Then what do we really want Jesus to do for our community? So those are the prayers that we're answering. How are you doing? Are you hanging in there? We just have a couple of more weeks to go. Is Jesus answering your prayers? You feel like there's movement. Yeah? You being encouraged? I hope so. Well, doing the leap of faith caused us to ask this question, what is faith? And Hebrews 11 is a great place to go to see not so much the definition of faith as much as how faith works. If faith worked for them in the past, it will work for us. So this is, this is how I would define faith from Hebrews 11. Faith is a foundation of hope with a conviction of a done deal, a new day coming. In spite of circumstances in the present moment and vision that is limited. That's how I would define faith here in Hebrews 11. It's a foundation of hope with a conviction of a new deal. It's just this done deal. Something's been accomplished. It's a new day that's coming. In spite of my circumstances in the present moment and in spite of my vision, which is limited. You might picture it this way. This is how I'm picturing it from that definition. Let's pretend like we're walking down a a long, dark tunnel. And as we look in the distance, we can see shades of light. We can't actually see the end of the tunnel, but we, there's kind of this glow, there's, a, there's this, this light at the end, and in the darkness before that light, there's these little pinholes of light. And I believe that faith is the hope that we're in this dark place, but there's an end to it. And as we're walking, there's this growing conviction that we're going to get there, that we're going to get out. And then there's this penetration of light that's coming into that dark tunnel. In our present circumstances, there still is hope, even if our circumstances are really hard. So that's the picture of faith that's painted for me as we're traveling through Hebrews 11. And it's with that type of faith, that foundation of hope, that conviction that that it's been accomplished, it's a done deal, a new day is coming, that type of faith... With that faith, it's possible to please God. And God is asking us to believe that He exists. He's asking us to believe that He's real. He's asking us to believe that we can have relationship with the the Creator of the universe and the Savior of mankind. He's asking us to believe that He also compensates those that seek Him. It may not be now, but He will reward those that seek Him. That's what he wants us to know. So for all of us that think that it's impossible to please God, it's not so. 
With faith, it is possible to please God. And this faith, this foundation of hope, this conviction of a done deal, this faith explains why God is so proud of Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham, Sarah, and today we continue. By faith, Abraham, at the time of testing, offered Isaac back to God. Acting in faith, he was as ready to return the promised son, his only son, as he had been to receive him. And this after he'd already been told, your descendants shall come from Isaac. Abraham figured that if God wanted to, he could raise the dead. And in a sense, that's what happened when he received Isaac back, alive from off the altar. By an act of faith, Isaac reached into the future as he blessed Jacob and Esau. By an act of faith, Jacob, on his deathbed, blessed each of Joseph's sons in turn, blessing them with God's blessing, not his own, as he bowed worshipfully upon his staff. And by an act of faith, Joseph, while dying, prophesied the exodus of Israel and made arrangements for his own burial. By an act of faith... Moses' parents hid him away for three months after his birth. They saw the child's beauty and they braved the king's decree. By faith, Moses, when grown, refused the privileges of the Egyptian royal house. He chose a hard life with God's people rather than an opportunistic soft life of sin with the oppressors. He valued suffering in the Messiah's camp far greater than Egyptian wealth because he was looking ahead, anticipating the payoff. By an act of faith, he turned his heel on Egypt, indifferent to the king's blind rage. He had his eyes on the one no eye can see, and he kept right on going. By an act of faith, he kept the Passover feast and sprinkled Passover blood on each house so that the destroyer of the firstborn wouldn't touch them. By an act of faith, Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. The Egyptian tried it and drowned. By faith, the Israelites marched around the walls of Jericho for seven days, and the walls fell flat. By an act of faith, Rahab, the Jericho harlot, refused the spies and escaped the destruction that came on those who refused to trust God. God is so proud of those that live by faith. God is proud of patriarchs and prostitutes. I don't know what else would put patriarchs and prostitutes on the same page other than a faith. Faith worked for these people in this way. Faith Serve them well in times of testing. Don't be fooled. You will go through times of testing. Times of testing are not for us to fail. Times of testing are for us to succeed. Times of testing are for the the impurities that we have accumulated within us to be burned up so that the purities come to the surface. God's not interested in shaming us, God's interested in being proud of us. And so God's trying to bring the best to the surface. That's what he's doing. And every one of us will go through times of testing. Thankfully, it's not always at the same time. 
<laughs> we'd, we'd be a mess. <laughs> but faith, this foundation of hope, this conviction of a done deal, a new day coming, serves us well in times of testing. It served Abraham well when God said, take the son I just gave you and sacrifice him like a lamb. Put him on that rock altar. Take out your knife and slit his throat. Again, I hope that it's registering to you that these four fathers and and mothers of the faith did not live in a perfect world and the circumstances of their life were not perfect. Can you imagine every dad in this room? I have an only son. And I know what it feels like to have an only son. I love my daughters, but there's something about a father and a son. I cannot imagine saying, yes, I will slit my son's throat. Can you? Can you imagine the agony that Abraham went to? Hey, Dad, where are we going today? Hey, Dad, we're going to the top of the hill. Hey, Dad, this is where we sacrifice. Hey, Dad, where's the sheep? You're it, son. Climb on the altar. You see, faith served Abraham well in the time of testing. It also enabled him to be ready to return what God had promised. This this is a twist. Faith enables us to be as ready to return promises as to receive promises. Faith isn't just about getting stuff. Faith is not just about us getting our prayers answered. Faith, a foundation of hope, enables us to receive from God with open hands so that if God were to say, I would like that back, we're as ready to give it back as we were to receive it. That faith works. That faith will serve us well. Faith believes in resurrection. Abraham could not have done what he did in the time of testing in in saying, okay, I'll give Isaac back to you if he did not believe in resurrection. There was a hint he believed in resurrection. We believe in resurrection. We're going to talk more about that over the next couple of weeks. We believe. By trusting Jesus, we will not die. Faith reaches into the future with blessing. For those of you that are the 20-somethings, I know that it's hard for you to believe that the future is hopeful. But faith teaches us that it is. Faith teaches us that there is a new day. And even though the present circumstances of our life, you know, we look at our economy, we look at the family, we look at morality, you know, whatever. I mean, we live in a broken world, but still God says, I've fixed it. And there's blessing. There is a future. Faith makes a difference on the deathbed. 
Faith prophesies, again, about the future. Faith emboldens. It, it emboldened Moses' parents to say, we're going to ignore that edict, the edict of the most powerful ruler at the time, and we're going to hide our son. Faith, people of faith experience miracles like walking through the Red Sea on dry ground, like walking around this. Can you imagine walking around this walled city? You know, we're going to do it again today. Nothing happened yesterday. Well, we're going to do it again because God told us to do it seven times. And to believe that on the seventh day we're going to shout and the walls are going to fall down. That was a miracle. People of faith experience miracles. People of faith trust God. Even a prostitute who trusted God, her faith worked. So I want to bring all of that into this. Faith really has to do, it impacts the choices that we make. And I, and I want to use Moses really as the example. One, with faith, we can choose a hard life rather than a soft life. If you haven't already gathered, some of the faith messages that we have been given are a crock because they don't match what's in the Bible. Faith will actually allow us, like Moses did, to say, no, I'm not going to take a soft, comfy life. I'm going to choose the hard life because that's the way to go. There's nothing, Jesus never said that we're going to have a life of comfort. And so faith allows us to choose, if it comes down to it, to choose a hard life. Faith can allow us to choose poverty rather than prosperity. What? Faith isn't about being prosperous. Faith is about being intimate with God. And if God were to give us a choice, like He did Moses, are you going to choose prosperity or are you going to choose poverty? Faith allows us to choose poverty. That's faith. With faith, we can choose suffering and refuse privileges. Again, that's what Moses did. I'm, I would rather suffer with the children of God making brick without straw than the privileges of being in the Pharaoh's house. He made a choice. Didn't make his life better circumstantially, but it was faith. We likewise can choose. We can choose to suffer. And we can refuse privileges. We're all privileged people. Do we all, I mean, we know that, don't we? In the, in the world scene, we're, we're all privileged. But we can choose less. With faith, we can choose to turn our eyes from the blind rage of a king to the one no eye can see. So there's, there's no power on earth greater than Jesus. The powers on earth may rage and rage and rage, but we can turn away to the one that is beautiful. With faith, we can choose life over death. 
So with those choices, these are my suggestions for us. Number one, we need to turn our heel on our oppressors. Now, one oppressor that most of us have, and it's in the news, has to do with credit, debt. That can really be an oppressor. It's oppressing our country, isn't it? I mean, we're really in debt, $15 trillion, $14 trillion, and we're going to vote next summer whether we go deeper in debt. Debt is, debt is an oppressor. So here is an oppressor, and here's freedom, wisdom with our finances. So whatever is oppressing you, you know, you want to stand there, and then you want to turn. That's turning your heel. And you want to walk towards freedom. So I don't know what's oppressing you. I mean, I know debt is strapping us as a nation. Our debt is actually causing us to be greedier. And then, you know, we don't have enough. We're only using 80% of the Earth's resources. That's not enough. So whatever, put, put your oppressor on one chair, face it, and then turn your back to it and walk away. So however that works for you, whatever is oppressing you, try that. Practice indifference to the rage. Usually when there's oppression, there's control. And when you turn to walk away, you're going to hear something really bad. (laughs) Someone raging. Because when you are walking away from oppression into freedom, the oppressor's threatened by that. So the powers of God really threaten oppression. So whatever is oppressing you, turn, walk towards freedom, practice indifference towards the rage, turn your attention toward the one that we see dimly. None of us see Jesus perfectly, but we see enough. A dim light and keep Right on going, step after step after step, away from oppression, into freedom, away from death, into life, step by step. See, that's how we put faith to work. Would you please stand with me? Jesus, I want to thank you that you have delivered this faith to us. I want to thank you for the illustration that we have through this chapter of people that show us that faith in you works. And I want to thank you that the faith that we have is a faith that impacts the choices that we make. It's a day-by-day making of choices. Lord, I pray that you would give to us this sort of faith, a faith like Moses had, 
A faith that chooses a hard life rather than a soft life. A faith that chooses poverty over prosperity. A faith that would choose suffering rather than privilege. A faith that turns from the blind rage of an oppressor toward the one that no eye can see. I pray that today we would all choose life over death. Holy Spirit, you want us to be a people, a community of faith. A people who experience miracles. A people who trust God. So Holy Spirit, I invite you to come because you want us to be a people of freedom and faith. Identify for us what is oppressing us. Who is oppressing us? What is our bondage? What are the restraints on our life? What is it that rages, intimidates, and keeps us bound up? For some of us, that's, that's debt. For some of us, that's fear. Expose our oppressors, Lord. Jesus, as we identify that which oppresses us, I would ask that you would give to each of us faith so that this week we turn our heel on oppression. We turn away from the oppressor, letting that oppressor rage and we We change our focal point from bondage to freedom, from the oppressor to the Savior. And each day, we step closer and closer towards our Savior. We step closer and closer towards the light at the end of the tunnel. We step closer and closer to total freedom. Lord, let us be a community of faith that lives in freedom. For your kingdom's sake. Now what we've just done will not work 
unless you actually put into practice what we just said. I tried to illustrate it in a simple way. But until you know what your oppressor is or oppressors, until you actually do something about it, we'll, we'll just stay in bondage. And so I really want to encourage you to identify your oppressor as soon as you can. I mean, today is good. Tomorrow's okay, but don't go past tomorrow. Because every day this week, you want to take a step away from oppression toward the Savior, towards freedom. So that by the time we come together next week and celebrate Palm Sunday, we can really shout hallelujah to the Savior that has just saved us this week from oppression. I don't know how Jesus is going to work that out in your life. But I want us to come back together next week having taken steps out of bondage into freedom. I know all of us are experiencing some sort of oppression. None of us is immune for that. So may this week really go well for us. If today you're having trouble identifying oppression or you're just so intimidated by the oppression that you just you know that you, you can't turn your heel and walk away, then we'll spend some time in ministry just to help you take that first step. So before you leave today, if you would like additional ministry, please join me in the corner. Not because you're in trouble, because we want to help. Thank you for our time, and God bless you as we walk towards freedom in Jesus' name. Amen.